0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here with Bruce McCurdy. Happy New Day, Bruce.
1: Happy New Day to you, uh, David.
0: So I think that uh, the general feeling I'm guessing in oil country right now is... I'm going to say elation, Bruce. Mm-hmm. And it's not an uncommon feeling when a, when the Oilers sign a player to a long-term deal, sign a good player to a long-term deal. This feeling is is um, fairly typical. And you know we had it when McDavid signed, when Ryceidel signed. Did we? say, Yeah. Well, some most people did. There's always mm-hmm. a, minority. a quarter of the people will believe any nonsense, Bruce. And they will, you know, doesn't mean they're not right though. Some of the time, we had it also when Malila probably when Milan Lucic signed, the vast majority of fans mm-hmm. were also really happy. It's a typical feeling on a day like this, and it, and it, and it, and it can, uh, can, can be a misleading thing. You're not, we're not always right. Our first reaction isn't always right. Oh, of course
1: and, not.
0: And I've been a a skeptic of a long-term big money deal for Nuge. But I have to say, when, I, when he signed, I was also happy. Like, I also felt that. Yeah. I felt that that momentary elation, you know. And, and I think in Edmonton, we have it in part due to our, the history of, of great players having a history of not finishing out their careers here. It's, it's a powerful feeling in Edmonton, you know, when every single one of those great players who played with the 80s teams moved on. Some of them came back for the final few years usually when they were really spent as hockey players, but none of them played out their careers here. Not a one of them. And it was really disappointing. Then we had another round of it. You know, we had the Pronger rejection. We had uh, Ryan Smith who didn't want to reject the team in very similar circumstances to this, this contract. It didn't work out and they moved Ryan Smith. And, you know, I was in, I was okay with that at the time. And, and I think in the end I was wrong about that, that Ryan Smith paid out his deal overall as a player uh, over the, over the full term of that that contract, that was a good deal, um, for the teams that had Ryan Smith. So, um, I'm not, uh, these contracts come down to a yes or a no in the end, you know, we can have many multiple feelings about what's good about the contract. What's bad about the contract in the end for Ken Holland, this comes down to a yes, no decision. And it, Towards the end of the podcast, we'll get to that, where, where you and I okay. stand. If you if you had to make a recommendation, yes or no, because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, we can go back and forth, oh, I like this about it, no, but it comes down right. to that yep. on these deals. So we'll we'll do it that is. at the end. Bruce, to start, though, we'll just, there's been lots of commentary on the contract already, and we're going to go through some of the, that contract, but we'll start with Ken Holland himself, who just had a press okay. conference. And here's what Ken Holland said, quote, For Nuge, term was important. He loved being an oiler. He loves playing and living in Edmonton. Cap number was important to me. Term Mm -hmm. was important to Ryan and Rick Vallette, his agent. And ultimately, I got a cap number I was pleased with, and they got a term they were pleased with. What do you think of Ken Holland's? He talked about being a, a, a very tough negotiation, the most unique contract he'd, he negotiated, how things had changed during the pandemic, back and forth. It sounds like it wasn't easy. Sounds like in the end, though, he got the cap number, bottom line, that mm-hmm. he wanted. They got the term. What do you think of his comment?
1: Well, basically, before his press conference, wrote a paragraph or even a sentence summarizing exactly that, that the orders, um, uh, that the player relented a little bit on uh, cap hit and the team relented a little bit or a lot on term and the no movement clause that is embedded in this contract as well which is uh, of course the maximum eight-year deal uh, uh with the no movement clause uh i yeah i mean he, he he's bang on i mean they, they uh, uh they would have had to pay quite a lot more to sign this player to a two or three or even four-year extension on a per year basis and I suspect that the you know the the second four years overall uh, probably lowered that cap hit by uh, uh, certainly a million dollars and maybe more.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, he. I would have been much happier with a shorter term deal mm-hmm. for a lot more money. Like mm-hmm. I think if uh, you know my initial stance was like a seven million dollars for one year, six point five million for two, six million for three. And I would have, I wish, I wish that had been Nugent's priority in a way, like to, um, <laughs> or I wish he had been open to that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the Oilers, I don't know if the Oilers would have been open to that because right. the cap, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things at play here. The, the cap could go up in the mm-hmm. last few years of Nugent Hopkins contract. Right. And um, so suddenly a $5.1 million a year cap hit isn't that isn't nearly as big a deal, especially if you have to buy it out. And Bruce Pierre Lebrun has released the details of this contract. And the last two years of this deal, I mean, are very buyoutable, especially the last year. The last year is just full salary, 3.75 million. Um, If you buy that out, it's not a huge penalty for your team, especially in a cap world conceivably by 2018, 29 Mm -hmm. with the hyperinflation that's likely coming to our society. (laughs) Uh, A cap, a cap hit of that size is going to be easy to buy out. And even the second last year, it's a $2.5 million salary plus a $1.25 million signing bonus. Those last two years are pretty easy to buy out. And for for me, like I was looking at a five, like I was happy with a five-year deal, for instance, at this cap hit $5 million. So this is one more year than I was going to be happy with, you know, at 6 million, it's it's three more years. That mm-hmm. I was going to be happy with, but the last two years are very buyoutable, so you mm-hmm. know, um, there's that to be said for it. Do you have a quote, Bruce? What do
1: you yeah, have? well, yeah, the the uh, um, the buyout option. I just to finish my earlier thought, the I the difference between uh, you know having a lower cap hit over eight years, where the first four years are cheaper than they would be, the first four years are the big four, first five years, and that those are the dry Drysdale McDavid years, right? where the team needs to save on the cap as much as they can while both Leon and, and Connor are locked up on the team. Yeah. And beyond that, I mean, we're into the realm of, of the unknown. Uh, but thinking they're overpaying Nuge for the last four years, I mean, from a franchise perspective, it's his next four or five years, which are hugely important. And to get this guy locked up at a reasonable price point is pretty good in that. So I will quote uh, Oilers blogger Sean Patrick Ryan, the Oil Knight, our uh, sometimes guest writer here at the Kelty Hockey, with uh, on the uh, prospects, which he excels. Uh, he says, "Love the salary amount, don't love the term." But I'm not one of those to complain about years six to eight in year one. Now, what's done is done. Welcome back, Nuge.
0: Yeah, and this is this is um, <laughs> this is the way. This is a, that's a solid take on, on, uh, on the contract. I mean, Ken Holland stressed, this is the time, like these McDavid and Dreisaitl are in their prime right now. Um, you got to win now. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, my recommend, I'll just cut to the chase. My recommendation on this, deal would have been no, like in that, in that binary, yes or no. I would have said no, because I think that you can use that cap hit, um, to get players who can replace Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Without that kind of term, without that kind of back end, that's gonna mm-hmm. hammer on your team um, five, six, seven, eight years right. from now. Uh, so I just think you could replacing his even strength scoring this for this past season, Bruce would not have been hard. Right. He was. He scored at the equivalent of a like a fourth line winger this year at even so strength. Don't understand it is is the truth. That's the fact. Oh, and no, over two years, over two years, he scored at the equivalent of of a second line, third line winger over two years. Now he had that great run, of course, with the dynamite line that, that boosted his his, uh, his his scoring. So on the plus side, if they go back to the dynamite line and they're able mm-hmm. to recapture that magic for the next two or three years, mm-hmm. this contract could be killer it's for good. the Oilers. This could be part of them being a Stanley Cup team. Mm-hmm. i I, I I don't know why they didn't do that this year. I think it was madness. I, I have my suspicions, and I'll give you my suspicions, which is unfounded. I think Connor McDavid wanted to play with with the top winger, mm-hmm. and it was either Yamamoto or Nugent Hopkins. And and for team dynamics, this was this is how this had to play out. That McDavid needed a better line mate, and it just turned happened that it didn't work out at all with Nugent and McDavid. They had so little chemistry. But they What's could go back on the to power the, play. Dynam- yeah, <laughs> it worked out on the power play. It, it worked out on the have power no play. Could you, for some of it. could you? It's a difference. It's a different. Nuge was not cast as a sniper on the power play. Drive Settle was. He's out there to slam right. in the goals. At mm-hmm. even strength, Nuge is cast to be the sniper with McDavid. He's not a sniper. He's a give and go player. McDavid isn't really a give and go player. He's a, I'm going to go 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 and then I'm going to set you up for a great shot player. And Nuge didn't have doesn't have the the hands or the shot to to. Close on those plays with McDavid. So my hope is, Bruce, I'm hoping that I'm that I'm incorrect. I'm hoping that mm-hmm. Nuge can find that success that he had with Drysdale and Yamamoto again, and mm-hmm. and just have this incredible line uh, for the Oilers. And I'm hoping that they can Oilers can find a winger who can figure out how to play with Connor McDavid, which is no easy thing to do, which is a really hard thing to do, and which Nuge could not do, frankly. But I think uh, you know. I think that there's a chance they're going to find that player and the owners will be set. They'll be able to have Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto and Dry Settle as one line. They'll mm-hmm. find this guy to play with McDavid. Right. And this will be the, they're going to unlock the formula to win some Stanley Cups in the next couple of years in this matter. Who it's going to like, could it be Yanni Gord? Could it be someone on the, on the Tampa Bay Lightning who they can't keep around right now? But to me, that's the whole success of this contract and the success of the Oilers is predicated on that. I'm glad they. I'm glad that they're taking this chance on Nuge on one level because I think that they can. He can find success again. Mm-hmm. But if they don't find that winger for McDavid, Bruce, right. this team's going nowhere fast. Maybe it's Holloway. Maybe it's Cooper Marody. Like maybe it's Tyler Benson. That's that's the Tampa Bay model: is finding these answers from within the organization.
1: Anyway, here's memo, Sally
0: back. Here's a memo Sally to back. Ken
1: Holland: Your mission, should you choose to accept it. It's fine, a winger who connects with McDavid, preferably a quick release, go to the net uh, uh, shooter.
0: Maybe it's Mike Hoffman, eh? Maybe it's Thomas Tatar. It's not yeah. right. I don't think it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Like I saw enough mm-hmm. of that, and I I don't think they're I I don't know. It's just frustrating what happened with the orders this year—the inability to find someone to play with McDavid. Here's uh, Oiler fan Sally Maxwell, Al uh, at SalMax183. She says, too much term and no move? Not impressed. Four years at $5 million would have been better. With no movement, he's going to be paid big dollars regardless of how good he is still even after four more years. I like Nuge, but this is a bad contract. What do you think?
1: Well, if they could have got him at four times 5000000 million, I'm sure they would have done it. They would have been very happy to do that. Uh, I think it, you know, that was unrealistic. The first four years were always going to cost more than the second four, and that was their means of getting the uh the salary cap uh a little bit more manageable. Um and as she suggests, uh uh the order you know, Waters fans may live to rue that day, but as uh Sean Patrick Ryan suggested that day is not today. At least not in my in in my estimation. Obviously, we have to think in the in the long in the uh, uh, in the long term. I just think four times five, as she suggests, is just not realistic. It would have been four times six point five probably. And it's uh um, uh, you know, it was uh, give and take in negotiations.
0: I would have liked that better mm-hmm. than the contract they signed. Yeah. Uh, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like they, he wasn't going to sign for 4.5. It would have it meant walking. So I think she accepts okay. that. Right. That she's she's right. accepting in her position that he's gone. Right. That that they would use this money. And I'm just I, I she's not saying this. I'm just that's that would be you know, if you're saying that if that's your line in this and it's the obvious conclusion is you, you're OK with Nuge walking when you say that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Do you have a quote?
1: <clears throat> I sure do. Our our very good friend and long-term coworker Jonathan Willis now of the right, of the Athletic. <clears throat> he says an eight-year deal for R N H at five point one two five is a good deal for everyone. The Orioles get a good player at a great price. R N H gets maximum term and control via no movement clause. The fans get to see a longtime favorite stay in the city. Nugent Hopkins would have received more money per year if he'd gone to market. Fans are always clamoring for players to take hometown discounts. RNH got term and control, but he certainly left money on the table.
0: Fair comment. That's a fair comment. Like in Ken Holland made it himself. He says, if Nuge had gone to free agency, he would have got more money, uh, mm-hmm. higher cap hit. And I completely agree with that. Yeah. He would have got more money over eight years. He would have got more money over short-term deal. He would have just got more money. There's some some teams, and and. and you know, it's such a funny thing, eh? Because it, it, it might make sense for a team. If you're going to use Ryan Nugent Hopkins correctly as a with other given goal players, other players who who share the puck, who move the puck, like Leandre Settle and Kadri Yamamoto, mm-hmm. if you're going to use him in the right way, he suddenly becomes a very attractive player. If you see him as a second-line center or a mm-hmm. first-line center on your team, you are going to be greatly disappointed. I think like even as a second line center, like I'm not sold on Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a second line center. He's never been a driver in that position. His defense is okay. Ish at best to me, Bruce as a second line center, he he's still not a great face-off guy. He's a great, he's a great, I think he can be a great top line winger, a great top six winger. So this contract for a top six winger, if he is that, Mm -hmm it's it's fine, like this this is this could be a deal. The owners have got to find a way to unleash him though to to play to his strengths. and maybe maybe that's in mind that they're 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 gonna solve the problem with McDavid in some other way.
1: yeah, yeah, solving that uh, Mcdavid winger problem that's that's um an issue for either a trade or the open market. they They can't go with the status quo, and I don't think they can go finding someone you know, $975,000 and hoping he suddenly blossoms there. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, or even for that matter, uh, as you suggested, Marodi or Benson, there's no way that's a satisfactory solution for right now. Like maybe down the road, they earn their way up the lineup. Uh, but I don't think if you said to Connor McDavid, hey, we've got your new left winger, and guess what? He's already in the organization. He's been in the minors for three years. Um, you know how well that would land. Uh I like Jonathan's point uh, about fans get to see a longtime favorite stay in the city. Like that's, I think that's a huge sort of overriding uh, emotion on a lot of these tweets. As, uh, as you said earlier in the podcast, we're so used to seeing uh, Oilers players and star favorite Oilers players moving on at anywhere between 25 and 30 years of age, and typically on the younger end of that uh, range. Uh, moving away from, from the city, and all of a sudden we've got a guy, A, he's been here for 10 years, he's the first guy since Alex Hemsky to be on the orders for 10 years, and now he's he's got the 10 years, and he signed on for the maximum extension, and he asked for a no-movement clause. And, and we normally look at that no-movement clause and we go, oh boy, that hurts the team probably in terms of their future flexibility. I don't mind it in the sense that we got a player that wants to be here and be on the orders. And when you think around the league, how many go- how many players have no movement clauses or restricted trade lists, where they say don't trade me to these five cities, and Edmonton is one of the five cities? Well, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins has just taken a uh, a stance that is polar opposite to that. Saying I want to be in Edmonton. I've been here for ten years. It's my home. I want to stay here. I want to finish my career here. I mean, eight is as long as he could go. But I mean, that's a uh, that's a clear statement, and he's got that uh, uh, he's got that uh, you know maximum term and control again, as Jonathan says. And I think that's uh, uh, as a, as a fan of the player and as of the team, I like
0: it. He's an interesting comparable, Bruce, because. Yeah. Um, as he was heading into his, you know, his thirties, a lot of people wanted to sign him to a big long-term contract with the Oilers as well. And whereas Ryan Smith worked out, I think, on his contract, his big long-term contract into his 30s. That wouldn't have worked out with Alice Kemsky when he left here. Um don't know his exact age, but he, he signed he a deal three
1: years.
0: Three-year deal with Dallas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um didn't really work out great with Dallas. He was okay with Dallas. Yeah, just okay.
1: He was already two, two a broken of, man, eh?
0: Yeah, he was already banged up and injured. And Nuge doesn't have that injury history. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one difference. But I, I'll tell you what, there's lots of people super excited about the idea of giving Hemsky a similar kind of massive contract into his 30s. And the winners avoided that. So, you know, here here's my th- thinking of the excitement of, of him staying. Like, that quickly dissipates very quickly dissipates if a player doesn't perform right. and um, we've already had a season where that really didn't happen with Nuge. Now mm-hmm. there's a really good chance that that came down to usage, incorrect usage from the from the team and that they could get that right. But how quickly things sour uh, for any hockey player if they don't perform up to their contract and uh, we, if we're sitting here. Next year at this time, Nuge has just had another season where he's had that kind of even-strength scoring production, Bruce. Um, there's a world of pain with this contract, is the truth. So I, I keep that in mind. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. This could easily have been an anomaly. has even-strength scoring this, this year could easily have been mm-hmm. um, just bad usage, bad puck luck, and And that's what my numbers tell me, that it was a lot of bad puck luck there as well. He could have easily had six, seven, eight, nine more points, even strength, the amount of chances that he was in on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, tempered with uh, that, that elation that he chose. I'm just, I just have a lot of, I have some hesitancy. All
1: right. Well, let's, let's think of it this way. Imagine if he'd originally signed a six year deal instead of seven way back when. And his contract had come up not this summer but last summer when he was coming off the 41 points in 30 games in the second half of the season, eight points in four playoff games, and absolutely tearing it up. Uh, he would have, whatever term he got, he would have gotten a raise on that term. Uh, and uh, not, sorry, years. on that AAV. And Seven the, fact million. That, the fact that he had, a, 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 a for him, a poor year uh, which was still a 55 points per 82 pace. I might add, uh, the fact that he had that poor poor year uh, before the contract has really, you know, really cut down on his on the cost of the contract. So if imagine what the stink would be if he'd had this year based on a seven million dollar payday. Now, you know, even if he has an off year, well, you're only you're only, you know, your 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 uh, um, Threshold is $5.125 million. It's not six, seven and beyond. So, uh, with all the different things that, that he brings uh, on both special teams, you know, he's the only guy uh, on uh, only forward who's so a regular on both special teams. And, and that's uh, been a real strength of Dave Tippett's team both years, that he's going to cover quite a bit of that value there. And we can only hope that uh, this past season was a was just an off season for him, a bad luck season, as you point out. Just maybe there was some nagging injury that was uh, that was uh, at issue. Uh, you know, we don't know all all of the particulars. We just see the numbers, and they make us go, "Holy moly, 1.15 points per 60. That's not very good." But. Uh, uh, I would like to think after the prior, you know, two pretty good years before that, that uh, he's going to bounce back.
0: Here's another tweet from an Oilers fan that kind of uh, sums up the mood of the day. This is from Oilers fan Jason Olson, and he says, I'm thrilled Nugent's coming back. He is an amazing ambassador, embodies the Oilers logo with class and pride. He's earned the no movement clause in my mind. I hope he retires an Oilers.
1: Mm. Yeah, he is a class act. If they're going to invest a long term in in, uh, in a player, you know, as a as a as a character player, you know, a sort of a, a a face of the team kind of player, they could do a whole lot worse than this guy. Like he he's uh, uh, he's always represented himself and the team really well. He's put the team ahead of himself. He's he's never left me any kind of impression that he's a me first uh, kind of player. And he's accepted a subordinate role. With you know, when, when he came up, he was you know the guy, and him Hall and Eberle were the guys. But when when uh, uh, Hall uh, when uh, uh, and and McDavid came in, and clearly were the new central core of the team, he's adapted to that, I think, pretty darn well, both on and off the ice overall.
0: Yeah. I guess my hesitancy is how many of these long-term contracts for forwards into their 30s work out, Bruce? What percentage of them work out, even for let's say th- let's say for half the contract? Mm-hmm. How many of them work out for half the contract? How many of them work out for the full term of the contract of players of Nugent Hopkins statue, stature? Now these are different. I'm going to give you a list of players. They're they're okay. different styles of players. But Milan yep. Lucic, Kyle Turris, James Neal. Matt Duchesne, Jeff Skinner, Louis Erickson, Ryan Kessler, Andrew Ladd, Franz Nielsen, Kyle Ocpozo, and Derek Stepan. Now, if someone could come up with a list of similar players who worked where it worked out, I'd be a lot more optimistic today. Mm-hmm. And that would be my challenge for anyone who really supports this contract and thinks it's a good idea. Is there's my list. Uh, uh-huh. I've cherry-picked. I've cherry-picked this list. Mm-hmm. I want you to cherry pick a list of similar players. Um, so these these are all players who aren't like top of the rung superstars, right? They're not right. Hall of Fame players. These are right. all good, good NHLers. Mm-hmm. So if someone can come up with a list equally as long in the last decade of good NHLers who have signed a contract and it's worked out. And mm-hmm. they, 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 I'm just saying, maybe you can come up with that list, like, I, or someone else could come up with that list. I'm, I'm not saying for sure that list doesn't exist. I just, uh, maybe I'll try to come up with it myself. Okay. And see if I can do that because maybe, maybe it exists. Maybe I'm wrong here. I'm just thinking it's, it's probably two thirds of the time, at least it doesn't work out. That's my, that's my instinct right now, Bruce. Two thirds of the time. And I, and I hope it's not more like, I hope it's not four fifths of the time. Mm hmm. But if it's 50-50, if it's a coin flip, then I think, okay, good. Sign Nuge. If it's
1: 50-50. You're talking about the full eight years. That he's still a, a positive
0: uh, out, and the, outperformer okay, the at the very last oh, here's year. Here's the standard. On a, on a, it's got to work out um, for 80% of the contract. Okay, Not for 100%, but like six out of, like. well, I don't know if that's six 80%. Six out of the eight. Six out of the eight yeah. years. 75%. Mm-hmm. How does that? So if someone, mm-hmm. and I'm going to look for this list myself, and you can do it okay. if you want as well. Players who have signed seven six, seven, eight year deals, where it's worked out, you know, five out of six years, uh, five five out of seven, six out of seven or six out of eight, something like that. Maybe those maybe there is lots of deals like that. And I just I just focus on the negative because because I'm a I'm a bad person. Maybe that's the answer there, Bruce. I'm
1: (laughs) I'm a negative Ellie. I'm going to give you my, my one comparison I've mentioned on this podcast on multiple occasions in the past. Who never, who never did sign an eight-year deal, but he signed three, year, three four, two years de- deals, all at six-plus million dollars. Patrick Marlowe, San Jose Sharks, uh, second overall draft pick who, uh, who uh, started out as a center and became a winger and a supporting winger with uh, two other star centers on his team. So I think there's there's a lot of uh, sort of parallels. Uh, he uh, he had 60 points for the first time at age 26, same as Nugent Hopkins, and uh, into well into his 30s. I mean, he had uh, at age 34 a 33 goals, 70 point season, and he you know, and he was consistently around 50 points for several years after that. So uh, now. He he has something Nooch doesn't have, maybe more than one thing, but the the one that jumps off the screen here is is his health. Like, he's played 80, 82, you know, his fewest games in a a regular NHL season was 76. So, you know, he's always had, uh, he's always been an iron horse. I mean, obviously now he's a league record holder for regular season games played. And uh, he, uh, uh, so it's not a... By no means a perfect comparison, but he's a guy that just kept on delivering deep into his 30s in a similar role, I would argue, as uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins.
0: Yes, and if, if Nugent signed a series of three shorter-term deals, I would have mm-hmm. been happier with that. Like, that would have worked more for me yep. than Marlowe. Marlo. So, so you you know, Marlowe is uh, is a player who worked out, but he never had that, that big deal. Um, yeah.
1: He was a higher percentage of the cap, and he had a higher salary. Though by signing him shorter term, they had to pay him more.
0: Fair enough. Here's Oilers fan Jason Adams at Adams on Hockey. Mm-hmm. With that extension, RH becomes the first forward to take less money to play with Connor McDavid, aside from Connor McDavid. <laughs> yep. Could they have found a tight? Ty- here's here's my here's here's the reason I'm hesitant, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Could you have found the Tyson berries for the next three or four years? Like I, I, like I, I get you got to win now, right? Right. You've got, this team has got to win now. I ex- mm-hmm. fully accept that, Yep. but replacing Nuge's even strength scoring is anyone could do it. You know, any capable NHL forward could have done, could step in and give you at least what he right. gave at even strength, his power play scoring. I think you could replace it with Jesse Pugliarvi in that spot, you know, have someone on the off wing who can pass and mm-hmm. shoot. Nuse, Nuge is a good passer. He's not a great shooter from that spot. He's an excellent passer from that spot. He is an excellent power player from that spot. But he's not on his off wing. You could get Arvey there. You could get, uh, I think you could find someone, Bruce, with a right shot. Yamamoto could play there. Again, he's not a great shooter either. But, um, so I'm just wondering, could you find the equivalent of a Tyson Barry from that spot to... Right. Fill in Mike, there. Ho-
1: Mike Hoffman, you're talking about Mike Hoffman, yeah. I
0: think, or Thomas Mike Hoffman Batar. style one year
1: contract that he got last year with with St. Louis. And you're dealing with, in this case, a, a known commodity as opposed to, well, maybe if we get this guy and plug him in, it might work out. As St. Louis founder, their chagrin did not work out with Mike Hoffman. Um, so, you know, the
0: scoring wasn't bad, you know, Mike Hoffman. Mm hmm. Uh, let me just yeah.
1: have a look here. Now, Nuge had a career-high nine power play goals this past season, despite the short season. So uh, he is, at least yeah. in the same season, he didn't score much at even strength. He was finishing ch- his chances on the power play at a, at a little better rate. So, you know, some of it's just small sample. David. I mean, any, any one season, you're going to have ebbs and flows in different uh, departments, and this is only two-thirds of a season at that. So there's not much time to recover from uh, bad trends
0: yeah and and again, it was such a weird season at even strength for him because of the this I'll say unbelievably terrible chemistry with McDavid. It, it was it was no one would have predicted Bruce that they would have had so little chemistry. I don't think I didn't hear anyone predict it to start. I didn't <sighs> see people saying, I, that I will heard never work. I heard no. me saying a billion times, don't break up the dynamite line. I didn't hear me saying, oh, Nuge will be a failure with McDavid. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. No one said that. It was just, it's just this. And maybe, is it possible, Bruce, that they could have success still? Am I wrong about that? What do you think?
1: Well, it's its certainly, I mean, in the playoffs last year, McDavid had nine points and Mc, Nugent Hopkins had eight, four games. I mean, they were clicking at, the, at that time. Uh, the other thing to think of in Nugent's, Nugent Hopkins' even strength scoring is that when he was moved off of the McDavid line, Drysdale was moved on to it and all of a sudden there's Nuge, you know in a second line role with uh, with a pair of uh, of um, uh, a relatively borderline top six wingers and he was in pretty deep on the on the second line when uh, when uh, coach tippett saw fit to, to uh, change things up it wasn't like okay now we're going to play the dynamite line they hardly played. At all, uh, Dry Settle and Nugent Hopkins together. So it was either with McDavid or else it was with, you know, uh, you know, say Cahoon and Yamamoto on what was the small skill line that was uh, 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 sometimes uh, in pretty deep.
0: Mike Hoffman had 1.67 points per 68 even strength this year. So no, he wasn't a strong even strength score. That ranks, but that does, it's 208th out of 430. Right. So it's uh, obviously better than what sure. new Chad, you know, the, the, like, so, so let's the, the whole theory. Could you bring in the, the Tyson Berry kind of player? Like there's a, there's a player that might be on the market, Victor Arvidson, because of um, uh, he had 1.76 points per 60. He's a gritty winger uh, goes to the net. Um, he could be available because of expansion draft concerns from Nashville. So I just, I'm, Listen, Nuge could really work out. This could work out, but I just there to think that there were no other options. Now here, Ken Holland, of course, they got to be going over this right now. Them and right. the pro, them and the pro scouts, Bruce, they mm-hmm. have got to be going over this right now. Like,
1: oh hopefully. yeah, absolutely. If we don't but- sign
0: Nuge, what are the options? Mm-hmm. You know, so they have a number in mind. If he's not taking this, we'll just move on to these other options. That's that's was on the table for these guys. So we have got to trust that they looked at all these other options. Mm-hmm. And they thought, okay, we, we've got to find someone from McDavid. There's there's all of these guys. Let's say there's Arvidsson and there's five five other guys, let's say they've identified. But they're thinking we only have probably about a 20% chance of these five other guys. Can we get two of them? And if we don't get two of right. them, where are we then? Then we're stuck with Dylan Holloway or Cooper Marody, which is, you know, I, I like those guys in the third line, they might be thinking, but to, to plug them in mm-hmm. on the first line, you know, we're, we set our program back quite a bit. So there's a certain amount of trust here that the Oilers GM and Pro Scouts went through the whole list and f- actually figured, we can't do better than this player at $5 million. Um, right. and, and that's not a crazy thought. That could, that could be the case.
1: Well, one in hand is worth two in the bush, and they had to find two in the bush. So at least now they got the one in hand, and now they have to find one in the bush. So uh, that's a, a lot easier Prospect to find one winger than it would have been to let Nuge walk and have this great big gaping void at left wing and in, in the top six It's still one one hole. That, I mean we've already mentioned how, how important it is for Holland to make a good Signing but you know he solved half the problem in terms of his top six left wing and Arguably at this point they got five top six forwards and finding that, that other left winger is sort of the, the, the missing link so I've got uh, Oilers fan Wheaton Oil, Dr. Wheaton Oil, uh, who says, Oilers are certainly not in a position to lose a winger and have to add as is. So that's basically the same point we're just making. Five million for a top six winger who can PK and flip to C center is very reasonable. The scoring drop this year was weird. wasn't even in goals, really, just primary assists. Super strange. Nuge will be 35 in his last season of this de- deal. Lots of people are saying 36, but Wheat is correct. He'll be 35 in the last year of the deal. 28 in the first year.
0: Turns Oilers 36. Have- in yeah, the, he turns 36 in, in, in the playoffs
1: last year. April, April in the April, playoffs okay, in the so last yeah. year. Oilers have to hope his inexplicable five times four, five scoring crash this year is a one-off. But the cap hit is lower than I expected because of his term, and I'm happy to have him. Hashtag keep Nuge forever
0: You know if Nuge played If Nuge had played in the playoffs As well as he did that last game in the playoffs
1: mm-hmm.
0: Frick his game came alive He really He, really, he was a center And yeah. he bore down And he was battling for pucks He was in there gritty hard Man if I had seen that Bruce And throughout every playoff game this year I think I'd have a different feeling right now And I'm a little disappointed Listen, I'm disappointed in Ryan Nugent Hopkins' playoff performance. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't close to good enough, except in that last game. And if he's going to make good on this contract, he's got to do better in the playoffs. You know, Holland has talked about, and I think he's right, this need for greybeards, older players who have been through the wars who can help you in those playoff situations. And I accept that it takes a while for people to figure out things in life, including how to play in the NHL playoffs. Not an easy thing to do with all the things being held against you, mainly other mm-hmm. people holding you back physically with their sticks and, and you know not penalties not called. So Nuge's great strength as a power player doesn't, is used yeah. as much in the playoffs. He has got to figure out how he's going to succeed in, in that tougher physical game in the playoffs because I haven't frankly seen it either time that he's been there. I didn't think he played well the first time the owners were in the playoffs and he didn't play well this time except in that last game he started. That's a player. That's a player that I could be happy with on the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs for years to come. So, um, that's my thought there. I didn't, Dom, hate, I didn't
1: hate him in the playoffs, but I mean, this was a case where I think what I did hate in the playoffs. One of the things that lingers with me to this day was Tippett's early decision to go all in with McDavid and Drysdale and never go back out and away from it and Nuge was on this you know the second line with Yamamoto you know and and uh, Winnipeg was able to counter that Winnipeg has got great depth at center uh, strength on the wing and I don't think that line was able to uh, they certainly weren't able to dominate the puck the way you would hope Uh, but um, he was um, uh, you know because of the way Tippett deployed you you know that when when he cap puts his two main guys on the one line you expect now most of your scoring from that one line that's just the way it
0: is didn't tip it go with Cahoon Yamamoto and Nuge one game in the playoffs mm-hmm. and I just that line had been that line had one decent game in the regular season against Vancouver against the AHL version of the Vancouver Canucks like to, to predict that that's te- that line was going to struggle against Winnipeg was the easiest prediction you can make all year and they did did struggle so I did not I don't know. I didn't, we haven't, I haven't written, like, I don't think either of us yet written a critique of Tippett and we haven't done a full podcast on it, but that's, that's gotta be upcoming. And I, and and I do think he might've been constrained. Like, you know, the players have a say, I think it's a, it's a fact that star players have a say in who they play with. And we can't overlook that in terms of judging the moves Tippett made um, this year. Part of the job of the coach is to persuade the players to do what's best for the team on the other hand. So, um, right. maybe that persuasion is going to be a little bit easier this year, especially if they find someone to play with McDavid. Mm-hmm. Here's what athletics writer, Dom Lasician wrote, uh, and D- Dom's a pretty, uh, sane judge. I, f- I find
1: yeah. Yeah, brilliant uh, guy.
0: not, not sure if the RNH deal is that hot given the lengthy term had a really rough season production wise at five on five despite playing 72% of his minutes with McDavid or Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Could just be poor luck, though.
1: Hmm. I'd have to double check on those minutes, because uh, yeah, I guess it would be McDavid or Drysaddle. It would never be McDavid and Drysaddle. No, no, no. But yeah. uh, he uh, uh, seemed to me he and Drysaddle switched off a lot, and uh, I think he played a little over half his minutes with McDavid. Anyway, it's uh, the poor luck. I mean, like it's a short season, and it's a it's a relatively small sample. Uh, I mean, I think you got to roll the dice. You know, it could be too that he knew it was a contract year, and he uh, and he started pressing when things weren't going well. I mean, who the heck knows what goes on, and and he can certainly now at least uh, not have to be concerned about his contract for any time in the uh, anytime soon now, doesn't he?
0: No. He <laughs> seems to be set up in that regard. I don't have a lot of like in terms of his motivation. Like we, right. we don't know what was going on in his head, but he did sign that long term contract early in his career. He continued to to play well and improve and work hard. I think he's got a good work ethic. All right, do you have a uh, Twitter quote, Bruce? Yeah, his fan
1: km17 says, "It's funny how attached fans get to certain players: Smitty, Hammerer, Nugget." kind of nice to see one of those draft kids stay forever
0: there is no doubt about it bruce the the feelings of fans for some of these players is off the charts mm-hmm. and 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 i um I, I i guess part of like i i might be a little less inclined to be that way cuz i you know if you're an older fan you lived through the 80s and your heart was broken just so many repeatedly. times, it, it, repeatedly, and in, in a way that's hard to get over with Gretzky. Mm-hmm. And I always, and it was funny though, with with the hardcore feelings that I saw for that I see now for like players like Smith, Hemsky, and nugent Hawk, I've never shared those feelings about those players. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's a defense mechanism, right? Like I don't want right. to, like I can't invest again. I'm not right. going to invest again. Your heart's or heart's been maybe,
1: broken too many times. You can never fall in love again.
0: But I honestly think it's something else. <laughs> I think it's it could be that, but I don't think it's that. If I'm completely uh-huh. honest, I just think that I I have seen too many players in the thirties not really kick butt, and so I'm a little bit wary. I think it's more uh-huh. of um, a, and uh, you know, I kind of wonder at the people who do have these incredibly intense feelings about all these players. Like, I get it, uh, I I I understand that, but I I do kind of hold that hockey actuarial table in my mind pretty firmly. And and uh, I'm kind of a hard-ass when it comes to that. Here's Hockey Analytics team, Evolving Hockey, uh, mm-hmm. at Evolving Hockey. Mm-hmm. And they say, we projected six years at $7 million, given he stayed and signed before a free agency. At eight years, we projected $8 million
1: per That's year. That's a weird projection. I, I would have... For sure, predicted there'd be a tail on a the longer the term, the smaller the cap hit, and obviously they took that to the max. But maybe they mean times, if you went to UFA. Six times seven is uh, you know that that's not so off base. I think they're a little high in, in the flat cap era, evolving wild or evolving hockey, but um they certainly didn't pay any eight times eight. Thankfully, that's what. um Nashville's paying Ryan Johansson, and uh, they've lived to regret it.
0: Aren't they paying Duchesne something similar to that as well? No, like, what a huge, he got? seven? Round. he got, I think he only got seven. Yeah, Matt Duchesne, who mm-hmm. scored at about the same level of even strength points this year, is at the same rate as, as Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, right. yikes.
1: And Rascal Gas, on the other hand, at Rascal Gas points out, Nuge still makes less than Louis Erickson. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I should be happier about the term. The term really is um, like, as you suggest, Bruce, if he had signed a contract after last year, mm-hmm. after the season he had last year, he would have signed for 7 million at least, I think. No, I think per so. season, And it would have been a long term. Might not have yep. been eight years, but it would Might have been, been six. Close. Might have been close. So, mm-hmm. so, um, <laughs> I don't think it was their strategy to break up the dynamite line to, to underpay Nuge, but if it was, and then, mm-hmm. Reunite the dynamite line. That would be the the Machiavellian hockey move of the decade in Edmonton. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think it's close to what happened. But we could see Nuge play with some players who really do work with him well. And and I think one of them's got to be a big guy. I think he needs to play with a big, big player. It can't be all little guys with Ryan Nugent. That is not going to work. But if you can find that big winger who plays a give and go game or the big center, like mm-hmm. Dreisaitl, I mean, I just think Nugent and Dreisaitl are fantastic together, and My and team. Yamamoto as well, or or Yarvi um, With those two guys, I just think, you know, I can see the real pull that Ken Holland had to make this deal for the short term benefits of it, and then he's now he's only got one problem to solve, solve for the next three or four years. Um, he's got uh, to find that winger for Connor McDavid, and it's it's not going to be easy because you got to find that guy. You know, I kind of like, actually like Yamamoto with McDavid, Bruce. Like if they break, break up the dynamite line and put Arvey with um, Nuge and Drysaddle, I think Kyler Yamamoto is a fantastic defensive hockey player because he's so smart. And when they had him with, with McDavid and Drysaddle, the reason that line worked is because Kyler Yamamoto would fill in for those two guys who, who cheat for offense. Um, he would he would fill in on the defensive slot for Drysaddle and McDavid. He would play center. And you don't have to be big to do that job, to get that job done. You have to be determined and you have to be really, really super smart. Gaytan Haas had those qualities. I think Connor Yamamoto has those qualities as a defensive hockey player. So if Yamamoto plays with McDavid and let's say they bring in a sniper to, to, let's say it's Hoffman or Tatar or or someone like that, that might work like a one-shot scorer. Because Connor Yamamoto, you know, McDavid in the defensive zone, I don't mind him playing the gretzky role or the lemieux role in the defensive zone where he's not asked to be the guy who's down there covering the defensive slot all the time and um he's up there looking for the breakaway i think that's how cotter mcdavid should be used in the defensive zone if you want to maximize his, his talent honestly and you just have to find them the tikanen um to fit with him on the wing who's going to cover in the defensive slot and then you also have to find the sniper so then you're you put Yamamoto with him and then suddenly Hoffman might work or Tatar might work. Cause these, I don't think these are strong defensive players,
1: Right.
0: but you might find that kind of chemistry that Connor McDavid has lacked, you know, when he hasn't been with Leon dry I mean, that obviously works, but I think that that, that 81% solution line worked because of Yamamoto's defensive play. That's what got the goals against down to get you that 81 goals for percentage was having that, Super solid and responsible def- player who would back check and cover the defensive slot in Kyler Yamamoto. That's why that line was at 81% goals, 4 percentage as opposed to 56% um, or 60%. So.
1: So Flames blogger Ryan Pike, he says, 8 years is a bit lengthy, but a 5.125 million annual average value for RNH is a steal. That's 200,000 less than Michael Backlund got from Calgary. That's not a bad comparable player. Now, uh, Backman, for his part, signed a six-year deal, not an eight. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, there's a uh, uh, with New just obviously got a longer tail on that contract. But uh, uh, you know, Backman in Calgary, very much a support player with you know specific jobs to do. That you know, he's the man for certain, you know, certain aspects of the team and and. Uh, I don't think Nuge necessarily does the exact same role, but he's the same kind of, you know, very good complementary uh, player that can do a lot of things.
0: Yeah, a player that you brought up, Bruce, as a comparable for Nuge is a good one that we both agreed on was David Legwand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a bigger player, uh, mm-hmm. slightly different style player. Right. Played for Nashville, and he had his last really strong year at age um, 33. Right. 51 points in 83 games. He went between mm-hmm. two teams. And then he had uh, two kind of mediocre years and he was out of the NHL. At, he played till his final year. He was 35 in, at the start of his last year. Right. So if the owners can get, let's say, six seasons out of Nuge, where he's mm-hmm. in the 40 to 50 point range, mm-hmm. um, maybe one, maybe a couple of those years where he's like, they they find the right chemistry plus. and he's in the 60, 60 plus point range. This is a yeah. deal that we're, that will work for the Oilers. I'm not like if the final two years don't work. That's you can buy those out. That's life. Mm-hmm. That's that's hockey in this modern NHL. Yeah. Uh, this you know that's the way that that's uh, cap management right. in today's NHL. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he is he's like David Legwand and he he comes through like that. And it's not a bad it's not it's, it's not a bad bet that he's going to be that kind of guy.
1: Yeah, Legwand was a, a second overall draft pick, like Patrick Marleau, like we're talking very, very high end in their draft class, like Nuge was. So started with a, you know a big chance at a young age. He made the NHL at 19, and he was never a big scorer. He had one 63 point season, and then he had two seasons over 50 points after he turned 30. So he did have, you know, a fair bit of staying power. And he was, I remember him as a kind of an all-around center that they could sort of trust to put out on the ice in all situations. And he would score less than you would have hoped on his draft day. But, you know, still a significant contributor.
0: On a positive note, Bruce, in terms of our the way we rated players this year with grade A scoring chances, at even mm-hmm. strength their contributions for and minus or major mistakes against. Nuge was, if you don't, if you put Leon Draisaitl at the center this year, and he mostly played center this year, Nuge was the best winger on the Oilers. He had the highest grade A uh, plus minus per, per, per game of any Oilers. He was just ahead of Yessi Pugliarvi. So the top three were actually really close,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they are Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Yessi Pugliarvi, and Cutter Yamamoto. That said, none of them really crushed it. None of them they were. Need,
1: they need better. better.
0: They need better. 100%. They were all kind of like second line wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you had second line wingers that they're that kind of plus minus that they had, you'd be you'd be looking good. But they didn't have one guy um, right. as a winger who really excelled as a top line winger. And, you know, maybe they're looking at the, you know, if, if Taylor Hall really is, if he's going to sign in Boston and if Zach Hyman is going to sign in Toronto, they're looking at like a. Like a, this, like a really elite kind of guy. None of those guys. I don't think either of those guys, honestly, go, going forward into their 30s, is going to be top drawer. But um, there, there probably isn't a lot of options. You, you know, you were looking at guys like Hoffman or Tatar, I think, mm-hmm. or Arvidson, um in a trade or, or or that kind of thing to fill in.
1: I'm willing to bet that Tatar is not going to resign in Montreal. Just guessing.
0: <laughs> maybe he'll get in the final three games and be there, yeah. score a couple big goals and turn everything around. Things change fast in hockey.
1: He's got to be bringing his price tag down. Unless there's some injury, and I mean, he's not listed on the injured list, and I think he's skating with the team every day. It's just a coach's decision. So on the one hand, you'd say, well, how is a guy that can't make the fourth-place team in the North going to help the second-place team in the North? And on the other, you can say, well, it wasn't a good fit there, but maybe the different fit with the different uh, situation is worth a bet. But it'll be a, a lower money bet than it would have been uh, based on what he did in the regular season if he hadn't got, you know, basically benched for the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe they can get him for four or something instead of five or six.
0: So, Bruce, yes or no? If you had to give your advice, Ken Holland, saying, "Okay, Bruce, you've seen mm-hmm. this player play his whole career, ten years now. Mm-hmm. We're thinking of giving him an eight-year deal at this amount. Yes or no?"
1: Uh, I'm going with yes. Okay, I'm comfortable with that as a as a as a fan, fan of the team and of the player. Uh, I like the continuity aspect. Uh, I like the uh, uh, I just like the aspect of here's a guy, you know that. Clearly wants to stay here and play his whole career here, but he has proven to be a a, a good complimentary player, uh, not perfect, uh, but pretty darn good. And you know, five point one million dollars, you know, be a long list of guys in the league that make more than that. And he took a haircut in his uh, you know in his second major contract from his first one, and and uh, uh, so the price point I like, the player I like. The term, that's the issue, but on the basis that two out of three ain't bad, I'm going to say yes.
0: Yeah. You know, the players that I listed who are comparables, a lot of them are stylistically quite different than Nugent Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Most of them are. Louis Erickson, though, I think is a fairly good comparable, unfortunately. Another one I would put on the list. He's kind of a finesse winger. And Louis had good seasons until he was, at age 30, he put up 63 points in 82 games. Um, so that's new, new, just new, got his 28, 29 and 30 year old seasons to come. Right. Till he right. gets 30. Yep. So that's three years that are, I think are, although we had poor, even strength scoring this year, I, I think he, he can easily rebound. I think a lot of it was bad luck. Mm-hmm. That's what our numbers, that's what my numbers, that's what our numbers tell us that yep. there was a lot of bad puck luck involved there that he could easily have had 10 more, five to 10 more points this mm-hmm. year. So I'm going to go till age th- the next three years. This, this is a fairly safe bet on this contract. And then Louis, as soon as, he si- as soon as he signed that contract, that's I think it's a six-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. yep. in Vancouver for big money. I think it's six at six, something mm-hmm. like that, six at six million. His game just went down the toilet and um, could be a chemistry thing with these players. They oh. need to find the right guys to play with to succeed. Mm-hmm. And he just never found that in Vancouver. but. Oh. Uh That's his I was first... going to
1: say. He had to play in Vancouver after he signed that contract, whereas before it he didn't. Whereas at least Nugent Hopkins is returning to a, a you know an environment in which he and obviously the team are comfortable.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm a I'm a reluctant no on this deal. I I, I see the benefits of it. I just uh, I just worry about the. I worry about uh, this contract essentially working out for Louis, like like Louis Erickson's career has worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope I'm wrong. I probably am wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. We'll see.
1: Well, we Any- got a few years to discuss it on a future cult of hockey podcasts, David.
0: Well, I promise not to be one of those guys who constantly brings up the bad contract, like uh, you know the, we off, we often. We often heard that kind of thing where we're we're or you know, where players are rated against their contract. You know, the interesting thing is the cap hit, as you say, it's not this horrible thing. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not this seven million dollar a year thing. So if he if he just gets forty points, forty five points, it's right. like ah, oh, five point one million dollars. That's that's reasonable. It's that's harder okay. to
1: underperform at yes. five million than it would be at seven, right? And I mean He's been a 20 minutes a night player for the Oilers for quite a few years in his career. And if he keeps, you know, earning that kind of ice time, uh, you know, that cap, it's uh, uh, going uh, to look pretty all right.
0: Especially if he does well in the playoffs, right? Especially if he figures out a way to bring that A game that he can mm-hmm. bring. And maybe he did. Maybe he unlocked it. Maybe he finally mm-hmm. figured it out what it psychologically takes him in that final game against uh Winnipeg when he was fantastic one of the best Oilers players on the ice he was and if he can unlock that in the playoffs and be that guy I don't see why you know why can't he do that he can figure that out he's a smart person so fingers crossed Bruce fingers crossed that's my whole thing on the Oilers is always fingers crossed that it works out so all righty um, there was a little bit more news from Let's just quickly go through the other Oilers news That we've had in the okay. last few days uh, Sounds like You know there's been some It's kind of iffy on Oscar bomb It's starting to feel a little bit more iffy I have never been counting on Oscar Cloughbomb To come back to the Oilers if i are completely honest So the fact that he's It seems un, more unlikely now Well, it's, it's, It doesn't even get a rise out of me Because I just think you know Whatever I I guess I think Bruce that in terms of priorities on the team, I'm going to still go with um, left winger from Connor McDavid as mm-hmm. the number one priority. A goalie, another goalie as another priority. Um, obviously, re signing Adam Larson, which Holland seemed to be suggesting is no sure thing. Adam Larson's right. assessing his options. Now, maybe he's just saying that to look good so they don't have to protect him in the expansion wow. draft. Um, you know, he's being a little bit clever there. Sometimes you want to be the Fox, not always the lion. So, uh, maybe that's Foxy Ken Holland at work there, Mm -hmm. but he seems pretty honest and straightforward, Bruce. He does. He totally does. So I just think Adam Larson is, is just assessing his options right now. And, and, Mm. uh, that's the real deal. So the orders are going to go seven, three and one with the protected Mm -hmm. list. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, course, it yeah. Was Uh As soon as they signed Nuge, it became automatic because they clearly have five must-protect forwards. McDavid, like Drysaddle, Polly Arvey, Yamamoto being the others. And so all along, the only way 4-4-1 was going to work is if they finesse Nuge through the expansion draft and then signed him in that sort of couple-day window right after that. Uh, they just didn't want to wait. They just wanted to get him... You know, get it all locked up. That Seattle can't talk to him either. No one can. He's an Oiler. So seven, three, one, and I mean, a lot of people are wringing their hands over uh, over Caleb Jones, and maybe so. Uh, I think Caleb personally think Caleb Jones took a big step back in uh, 2021, and I mean, I, by no means is there a guarantee that uh, that um, Seattle is even going to select that player. But uh, you know they have uh, they're going to lose a player, and he's going to be uh, a pretty good player, right? If it's Caleb Jones or if it's someone else, they're going to still lose uh, you know a pretty good player. So it's not like it's like if they could only lock up Caleb Jones, then we wouldn't lose anybody. No, that's not how it works. And you then you lose someone else. So they're going to go seven three one, and maybe this is an opportunity for them to. Uh, uh, make a trade and get a forward from some other team who they have room on the protected list. I would suggest there's nobody compelling beyond those five that they have to protect as a forward. And maybe there's some other team out there with eight forwards and they can only protect seven and they're open to trading the eighth guy for, uh, you know, either a defenseman or some, you know, a, a prospect who doesn't have to be protected or what have you. And maybe that's one avenue Ken Holland can aggressively pursue to uh, fill one of his holes at forward, which I, I think 3C is another significant one that still needs needs fixing.
0: I think it's more likely, and I could be wrong about this, but I just think it's slightly more likely now that they trade Zach Cassian. I, I think that you can't have tremendous, it's a bad idea for chemistry, organizational chemistry to have massive turnover mm-hmm. each year. I think it's hard yeah. to rebuild. Although the Vegas Golden Knights got together and, no one Mm -hmm. knew each other and what happened in one year they went to the Stanley Cup final. So there's that. Um, but I do think it's, it's more likely that they're willing to, you know, they've got Nuge locked down, um, in terms of the, uh, chemistry of the the dressing room, they might, they might be more open to moving out one other veteran. And I, I really, I'm hoping that they move Cassian. I think at this point, I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, Three years at hit his cap hit, I just don't see him uh living up to that, including in the playoffs where he's let me down two years let the Oilers down, let me down as a fan, two years two years running. Um why why hold out a lot of hope? At his he's older. He's oh, he's yeah. not he's not Nuge's age. Nope. So move him if you can. I do agree, Bruce, that the second, like if, if finding a w- winger for McDavid is the top priority. Do you agree that the goalie is then the next priority or do you believe it's... Because uh, I see lefty as lots of options for lefty. I think Caleb Jones could... He took a step back. I think if mm-hmm. your statistics are telling you he didn't take a step back, you should look at other statistics, factor in okay. other statistics. Um, I would suggest that... But but Caleb Jones, I think, really has potential still.
1: Yeah, and there's
0: Logason, there's Philip Broberry, mm-hmm. there's Slater Cuckoo. And you can probably get a player, like if you're looking for a kind of a the scrap heap kind of signing who can step up and help your team, you know, there's Gustafsson, oh, sure. or Montreal, there's all kinds of possibilities there. Because with the young talent, including Philip Broberry, who you have percolating up, you don't want, I, I don't think you want to make a, you know, a, that big signing. Like they're talking about Jamie Alexiak. Mm-hmm. Um I I would invest my money in a goalie and a winger before I'd invest in Jamie Alexiak. As much as I like Jamie Alexiak, historically quite a bit. I see your grin there. Um, I would Breaking. I would go with the winger. What about you? What would be your priority list? Goals yeah, for, uh, well, what 3C you can work in
1: the goalie is obviously hugely important. But I I have this idea that they you know their plan A now, as it wasn't last year, is go back with Mike Smith. Yeah. and that they're mostly happy with their goaltending uh that they got last year and i mean if they can find a way to to uh, move on from uh um from Koskinen they might but i think they probably see him as an okay number 2 goalie and they they're encouraged by how smith played. so i think that's plan a of what they're likely to do uh in terms of out and out holes on the team uh Top line left winger, uh, a three uh, C, and a, uh, a top four left defenseman. You know that all the left defensemen you named there are basically all third pairing guys, except maybe yeah. Jamie Alexiak. And so, uh, uh, and I mean, Dmitry Kulikov's an option, but I don't know. Hey, he's a top four at this point. He got benched during the playoffs. So, he is not. I don't yeah. think personally. So, today, so I they're go, they're. Uh, I mean, Oscar Kleffbaum obviously is the ideal solution there, but uh, uh, I think that's a pipe dream at this point in time.
0: So what would you place as a priority? So you're saying McDavid's winger, that's the top priority. Uh, What's the second?
1: I I think McDavid's winger is the top priority in terms of uh, uh, organizational stability. You've got to find a solution there. McDavid is, I think, getting sick and tired of having a – uh, you know, a carousel of of wingers. That you know, I mean, this year McDavid scored more points per sixty than his two wingers combined. So I mean, he did. He more of was likely to team up with the barrier or Nurse than he was with an actual forward uh, on his unit. Yeah. And so uh, I, I I and you know I I, I think he's getting impatient. <clears throat> I think it showed through at times this year, like when he. Uh, I had that um, episode with Paul Yarvey in the last game in the playoffs where he didn't like a pass, and the next thing you knew, Paul Yarvey was on a different line. Um, You know, you got to find somebody who clicks there and who stays clicking there that's besides Leon Dreisaitl. You know, like is the nuclear option, but if that's your plan A to put those two on the same line all year, I don't like it. So that's number one, and then 3C right after that.
0: Anthony Duclair, two point eight five points per sixty this year, which is uh, wow, twentieth overall in the NHL. Oh, that guy for forwards he
1: sure knows how to score.
0: Uh, yeah. So there's there are there are you know I think he's a if I'm not mistaken he's a free agent again. Mm-hmm. Negotiates his own contract. We'll see. Uh, there are there are scoring wingers to be had out there, and they got to find one of them. Right. I, I actually think that the key to make, finding the right player to McDavid isn't like I think you can find the scoring winger, the one, the, the guy who can shoot the puck. You should be able to find that guy. There's, right. there are a number of guys. It's to me, it's that other guy, the one who fills in on defense and can take mm-hmm. on a lot of the defensive load. It, it's the and It's not the Curry for Gretzky. It's the Teekinen. In a lot of ways, I think you got to find. And maybe it's Puliarvi yeah. who isn't. Dylan hallway. Maybe it's Dylan hallway, Bruce. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the guy. And, um, good point. Maybe it's Holloway and Yamamoto and they just, that line takes off. Um, maybe it's Cooper Marodi. I mean, you just don't know, right? right. Like, the, right. That's I, I just why
1: don't think McDavid would be happy if you told him now that next year you're going to get a, a rookie on your left wing because we couldn't find a a guy. So no matter how good that rookie is, and I have high hopes for Dylan Holloway. But you just cannot project him into the top six in the NHL as a as a rookie professional, which you will be next no.
0: year. And so what I'd like to see is actually them go with some younger players in their bottom six instead mm-hmm. of like filling it up with these veterans. Yeah. You know, you, you you leave it open like so. You have Ryan McLeod, Marody, Benson, Holloway. You got. Uh, four guys there right and let's say you're gonna you're gonna keep two or three spots open for those that group of players and then have two others two or three other veterans down down low and that's what i'd like to see them do is go that direction with uh with the orders right. this year i think that's because those players they're not fresh out of the package marodi Benson oh. and McLeod, of all, they're all veteran minor league hockey yep. players at this point, and they deserve a chance. And I, I'd like to see them, see them go in that direction. And Holland's talking about that, Bruce. That's sure. he stressed that again in the press conference today. So you know, if they spend, let's say they bring in a third line center, and they bring in a in a top winger, that would be it for me. I don't want to see them bring in a bunch of other guys who can't, who are, um, you know, and then then they can move out. Maybe they'll trade Cassian for that third line center. So any other news, any other things perking up the last few days that we covered it all? Has McDavid won his MVP today? Is that he... comes tonight. Tonight. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah this is uh, this is Tuesday, June 29th, the fifth anniversary of the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade, by the way. Uh, but tonight they announced the MVP and the uh, Ted Lindsay Award winner. And surely Connor McDavid is a heavy favorite for both. So...
0: The final stroke in the Adam Larson for Taylor Hall deal will, will, will strike the second Adam Larson decides to either stay in Edmonton or move on. And I think that's the that's the moment for kind of the final evaluation mm-hmm. of that of that particular transaction mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to write a post when that happens. I'll think about it and I'll', uh, I'll I'm also want to pull fans to see what they think um, about how it turned out in the end.
1: Whereas Taylor Hall is currently on his 15, by the way. And, yes. And he's an unrestricted free agent in a, in a matter of weeks. Uh, if he doesn't re sign with Boston, which I think he will, but he's gone to New Jersey, to Arizona, to Buffalo, to Boston. He's become a bit of a hockey nomad for all his talent. And whereas. How about, uh,
0: hmm? how about this for a top line? Hall, Yamamoto, and McDavid.
1: They'd score goals. (laughs) I like Keller Yamamoto.
0: All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking today.
1: Okay, thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.